Hey everyone, and welcome to the Masters Athlete Podcast. I am your host, Rob Arnold, and I've spent the last 20 years in the exercise physiology field as a strength coach, personal trainer, wellness manager, health coach, and writer. Each week, I will bring you the latest research on injury prevention, strength and conditioning, nutrition, event preparation, and overall exercise physiology to the over 40 crowd of weekend warriors, seasoned triathletes, stay-at-home parents, and CrossFit athletes. Now, let's get on with this week's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Masters Athlete Podcast. This is episode 12, and I am your host, Rob Arnold, and I want to thank you for joining me yet again for another fantastic episode where we dive into some of the science of what makes Masters athletes uh, perform the best that they can at the age of 40, 50, 60 years old. This week, we are going to be discussing uh, weight training for the Masters athlete and more specifically for the endurance athlete, meaning the track athlete, the cyclist, the swimmer, and how Olympic lifting, powerlifting, and strength training kind of help them out a little bit or can become detrimental to their performance on the track, pool, or road. But before we get started with all of that, I'd like to introduce you to the sponsor of this podcast, and that's Simply Faster. Simply Faster is the leader in sports technology for athletes. Simply Faster has the world's best solutions for speed, power, endurance, rehabilitation, and recovery. Perfect for the master's athlete, Simply Faster distributes the K-Box flywheel system, free lap timing, gym aware, and electrical muscle stimulators to help get ahead of the competition. To get started, simply, simply visit simplyfaster.com. Also, before we get started, I want to thank everybody for the feedback that I've received so far on the Facebook page and through my email at mastersathletepodcast at gmail.com. Definitely want to thank everybody for all the input, and if you can, take some time to go and rate the show on iTunes, give it a give it a positive feedback, and give it some stars, and it just helps promote the program a little bit more on iTunes and helps it move up the rankings a little bit. So weight training for Masters athletes, more specifically endurance Masters athletes, uh, that's always a touchy subject in terms of how much weight does how much weight does a swimmer runner cyclist need to need to have need to lift how powerful do they need to be how strong do they need to be and before we dive into that i think it's important to look at a few definitions uh before we get started because it's it's a, a for some reason olympic lifting powerlifting weight training they all get lumped into the same bag of tools, and it's important that we make a distinction between them. So your powerlifting are your basic uh, bench press, squat, and deadlift exercises. These are your three core powerlifting exercises that have long been associated with powerlifting, and um, there's there's actually a great documentary on Netflix right now called West Side versus the World. It's a documentary on uh, West Side Barbell, uh, more specifically Louis Simmons, who is the head of West Side Barbell, and it's a fantastic fantastic documentary. So I, if you want to learn more about uh, kind of the king of powerlifting in America, watch that uh, watch that movie on uh, Netflix. 
So I digress. So on to li Olympic lifting. Your Olympic lifting is your snatch and your clean and jerks. These have become unbelievably popular with the advent of CrossFit over the last 15 to 20 years. And if you would have asked 15 to 20 years ago about, you know, your average white collar, upper middle class worker that works in an office or your house mom or house husband for that matter, um, work that if they, if when was the last time they did a clean and jerk and they would have laughed at you. But now, you know, with the advent of CrossFit kind of taking over the fitness world over the last 15 years, it's not that uncommon for that office worker or that stay at home parent to know what a snatch and what a clean and jerk is and to actually be good at it for, you know, and not Olympic lift, not, a, not, you know, qualifying for the Olympics, but you see, a, a number of people, uh, a growing number of people over the last 15 years that have learned the clean and jerks and snatch. And it's it's actually something I learned in high school. Uh, not well. My, my strength coach was not a very good one. Uh, but I did learn it in high school at a young age. And it's something that uh, kind of I love doing. And, and it's something that uh, definitely helped increase my power while playing football and, and other sports. And with that, you've got variations of the Olympic lifts, like you know your power clean, your power snatch, your hang clean, your hang snatch, your your jerk off the blocks, and stuff like that. So you've got a lot of variations of it that, especially in the CrossFit world, they've they've really taken a, a hold of and and ran with. So again, there's a distinct difference between your power lifts and your Olympic lifts, and then just general weight tra weight training. And I'm a huge fan of body weight training, uh, simply because as I've gotten older, some of the things that I did when I was younger, where I, when I pushed myself a little bit too much, have caught up to me. So body weight training for me has has huge benefits, and I'll get into body weight training somewhere down the road. But today, I really wanted to look at Olympic lifts, power lifts, weight training for endurance sprinting athletes. And so we've got those definitions out of the way. And then a couple of more definitions that we really need to focus on are strength, power, and endurance. So strength is essentially just the ability of muscles to overcome force or to generate force, I should say. So that's that's a very basic definition of strength. Power, the ability to produce maximum force right now. Very important to know. Power, ability to produce maximum force right now. And so you can already kind of think ahead, what, what kind of athletes need to produce power? What kind of activities need to produce a lot of power? You can already kind of think ahead of where I'm going with this. So keep that in the back of your mind. Endurance, the ability to sustain movement with the use of the aerobic energy system, meaning without or with oxygen, aerobic with oxygen. Um, and we won't get into the energy types today. We'll do that some other time. But just know, so you know, aerobic energy system generally kicks in after the, the two to three minute mark. So you're looking at uh, aerobic uh, endurance training. Endurance athletes uh, are heavily reliant on the aerobic energy system. And then you've got uh, a, a common term that's thrown around that a lot of people don't really understand, and that's VO2 max. So your ability to consume oxygen, your maximum ability to consume oxygen. So you can think of a elite world-class soccer player. They're going to their their VO2 max is going to be somewhere in the 60s, probably mid 60s to upper 60s. 
your your football player might be American football player might be somewhere in the mid fifties to maybe even low sixties. But for again, your cyclist, your your swimmer, your your track athlete at the masters level going from 50 to 60 or 60 to 65 that's not really a goal for us okay we we want incremental improvements on vo2 max but we don't need we don't need these these once we reach 60 as a masters athlete we really don't need to get to 65 now if we were if we need if we were at 50 and we got to 60 then yeah we're going to see some some huge improvements but if we're at if our, if we're already at 60 and we get to 65, 66, that's really not going to help us in the long run all that much. So that's that's very important to know in what activities are actually going to help us with our VO2 max and actually where the the diminishing returns is going to come into play. So research shows that increase in muscle mass does help increase your VO2 max. It does. To a point, okay. Again, there's there, there's that point of diminishing returns. There's that point to where we don't need to be anymore. There's that point to where our our oversized muscles aren't going to help our VO2 max anymore. So that's that's extremely important to know. If we if we're doing a endurance event where we need a high VO2 max or a you know, take the 400 meter dash in, in track and field. That requires quite a bit of VO2 max. You need to be going all out, an all out sprint for anywhere from, for a master's athlete, anywhere from 50 seconds to a minute 10, 70 seconds. So you're going, you're going to need a high VO2 max in order, to, in order to do well in that event. But you're not going to see any big giant meatheads doing well in that event. So you, you have to understand that that increase in muscle mass is going to help you to a certain point. When it comes to running or swimming or cycling, the, the overall goal, the overarching goal is to increase the number of motor units firing. That's extremely important to know. Increase the mo number of motor units firing. It is not necessarily to constantly increase the size of the muscle, okay? So hypertrophy, muscular growth, is good, again, to a certain point, but that should not be our overall goal in preparing for our events, preparing for the sports that we want to participate in. So, the, again, the ultimate goal here in, re in regards to running, swimming, biking, the overall goal is to increase the number of motor units firing. So how do we get there? How do we get to that point where we are maximizing the number of motor units firing without being detrimental to our size? You know, basically lifting too much weight. So how do we get to that point? Well, there's, there's a lot of research on that that, that shows where we need to be as far as uh, VO2 max or or strength, you know, like whether you need to be two, two times your body weight on the squat or, and, and there's a distinct difference between 2.1 times your body weight and 1.9 and how that's beneficial towards uh, sprinting. But again, there gets to the point of diminishing returns where you need to understand that you don't need to power clean 400 pounds in order to run a 
12 second 100 meter dash that's completely unnecessary so because in in terms of and uh, I, I i rate in terms of running because that's what i do now you can look at it in terms of swimming and cycling and, and relate these these uh rates of speed to your event but i i look at sprinting because that's what i do so for me when I look at a 100-meter dash, my goal is to run about 9 meters per second. 8 to 9 meters per second is what my ultimate goal is. But when I do a deadlift with maximum weight, I'm going maybe 2 meters per second, maybe, maybe, one and a, maybe 3 meters per second. If I do a clean, a heavy clean, I'm doing 2 to 2.5 two meters per second or a snatch. So... When you look at when you look at kind of the the force velocity curve there, I want to train my body to fire off my muscles as fast as humanly possible. But doing a, a clean or a clean and jerk is not going to prepare my body to getting to that eight to nine to ten meters per second. It's just not going to. Same with an elite athlete or or a younger athlete, but especially the master's athlete. It's just not going to prepare that person to run or to, to fire off their muscles at 8 to 9 to 10 meters per second. And there's such a huge gap there. Now, is some of it transferable? Absolutely, especially at the start of a race, let's say in a 100-meter dash or a 200 or a 400, when you have to explode out of the blocks. Sure, you, you absolutely want some a, a ton of power out of the hips, to explode out of those blocks. I, I used to work out with a guy that uh, trained for the U.S. bobsled team. And uh, we would we would do bo- uh, block work together. And it was unbelievable that how much power he had coming out of the his first two or three steps out of the blocks. And when we would do workouts together and we would come out of the blocks together, it was uh, after 10 meters, I felt like he was, uh, I felt I was at five meters and he was at 10 meters just because of his, his initial power. But because my, my um, rate of force development and my turnover rate and my ability to use ground reaction force was better than his, I would catch him at about the 20 to 30 meter mark and blow by him. But those first 10 meters, it kind of showed me, holy smokes, if I had that kind of power coming out of the blocks and then were able to transfer transfer into that, um, you know, the, the 8 to 9 to 10 meters per second after that, then that's, that's a good goal. So clearly, increased power has a lot of benefits to the to sprinting and whether it's track cycling or swimming so there, there's obvious and with with increase uh increased strength training increased power increased muscle size you know it's obvious there's there's a drastic effect on your hormones you have increased testosterone increased luteinizing hormone hormone which for men is is kind of a precursor to testosterone for females it kind of helps regulate your cycle there's increased DHEA, which is endogenous uh, steroid hormone. There's increased cortisol, increased hematocrit, which is vital for uh, red blood cells. So there's an obvious benefit to strength training. 
And ne- I'm never going to recommend to not strength train. They're, they're obviously, stronger muscles are going to run, cycle, swim faster. Again, to a point. So as we, as we move towards longer distances, let's say endurance. So again, I, I relate to the track world. So let's look at, you know, 800, 1600, uh, 3200, 5K or three, 5K, 10K. Do we need maximum strength for those? Is it, is it vital that that guy that runs a 5K in, I don't know, 13 minutes, let's say, is it vital for that guy to have a 400-pound deadlift? No. No, not at all. Is it vital for that female that runs the 10K, is it vital for her to have incredible reactive strength? No, no, not at all. Or power endurance or skill performance? No, no, it's not. So, so doing clean and jerks, doing high, high weight clean and jerks really isn't going to transfer to what they're, what they're doing. It really isn't going to transfer to what that, that endurance swimmer or cyclist is going to be doing. Will doing that help help sustain some of their strength or help give them some of their strength towards the end of a race? Maybe, maybe, absolutely. You know, they're, again, we go back to increase, increased strength, increased muscle is going to help everybody. But if, if, you know, whoever is going to run that, run that 10K at the next track meet, do they really need to focus on doing snatches, uh, high, high strength snatches? Probably not. You know, their their one RM really, or their even their three or five RM really isn't going to matter a whole lot if the, if the, their goal is to run, you know, a sub 13 5K. It's just not going to. So, what does improve sprinting? What does improve um, quick cycling or or swimming? And that's going fast. Teaching your body, teaching your nervous system how to go fast, how to tap into those fast twitch muscle fibers, how to, how to get that nervous system going fast. And the only way to do that is by actually doing it. You know, sprinters get faster by sprinting. They, sprinters don't get faster by living in the weight room. Uh, sprinters get faster by jumping. Sprinters get faster by doing single leg exercises fast. Sprinters get faster by sprinting. And that's uh, whether, it, whether you're on the track, pool, cycle, it doesn't matter. You get faster by going faster. In training your body how to go faster, you get faster. Again, yeah, it helps to be strong on a deadlift, to be strong on a back squat or a front squat or a goblet squat. But I'd much rather see you do some hex bar deadlift jumps and do those as part of your regular workout regimen than doing some back squats or cleans. So what do we want to see then? What kind of exercises do we want to see if we're not doing all these power lifts? What I would want to see is, again, single leg squats or lunges or hex bar, hex bar deadlift jumps rather than... Um, rather than your your heavy maxed deadlift or power cleans or snatches those simply aren't necessary you don't and you don't need to go heavy you need to go heavy to a certain point but doing 1RMs 3RMs 5RMs for um for the for the endurance athlete 
or even the sprinter just isn't necessary. Um, five lifts per session, three lifts per session, three sets per lift. You're uh, for for an endurance or in, and I lump all track cycling and swimming into endurance. So even if you're a sprinter, I, I lump it into into that. So for for those athletes, you know your lifting session generally shouldn't take. 25 to 30 minutes and that in, that includes all of your mobility work and your pre-lifts to get yourself ready to, to do that. You should emphasize explosive movements and yes, I understand snatch and clean, they are explosive movements, but you don't need to, again, get super high up there into the 1RM one RMs that uh, you know the the CrossFit world needs to do because again your your whole job is to move fast, move fast, and you need to teach your body how to move fast by actually moving fast. And unfortunately, one RMs don't teach your body how to move fast. Okay, someone who I've been reading and listening to a lot is lately is Tony Holler and. He's a, a track coach and football coach out of Illinois, and I believe he's a teacher too, and he, I believe he just retired. But uh, he still does some coaching, and he's on the speaking circuit now, and um, you can find him on a lot of different podcasts, and hopefully someday I get him on mine. But um, one of the things that he talks about is racehorses are not workhorses, and I find this fa- fantastic. So you can think of you know, a, a sprinter or, or again, cyclist or swimmer as a, as a racehorse. And they're not designed to do high, super high volumes of exercises, super high volumes of work because they're racehorses. They're designed to go get from point A to point B as fast as possible. So why in the world would you bog them down with a ton of weight training and a ton of volume because you think it's going to make them run faster. Well, it's not going to work. It's not going to transfer. So again, race horses, race horses are not workhorses. We're race horses, your, your sprinters, your, your hundred, 200, 400 people, they're designed to do maximum effort right now and not super high volume. So the old adage of, you know, the the track coach taking their, their sprinters out, their 100, 200 guys out, and, oh, we're, we got eight 100-meter dashes today, and we're going to end with three 200s. Eh, that's dumb. And and I remember doing that when I was in high school, but it's it's that's not going to make me faster. That's going to make me a better runner, but it's not going to make me into a better racehorse, okay? So that's something to... That, that I love, then it's something to think about. And uh, another thing that he talks about is that sprinting is the most ex- explosive exercise that you can possibly do. And that's kind of what I keep going back to this. So are Olympic lifts and power lifts absolutely necessary to make you a better sprinter or make you a better runner? Mm, maybe. But again, sprinting and running and and swimming fast and cycling fast these doing these things are going to make you better sprinter cycler swimmer and that's and that's it that's the bottom line so go ahead and incorporate some some strength training into your system go ahead and incorporate 
some 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 weight training, some deadlifts. You know, I I love a good deadlift. I I incorporate deadlifts into my into my regular workout every day or regular routine. But long gone are the days where I need to deadlift three, four hundred pounds. Long that's as a master's athlete, I don't need to do that anymore. I need to focus on injury prevention and making sure that my body is able to run as fast as possible when I have to. So, you know, it, it's it's easy to do high volume workouts of powerlifting and Olympic lifting, lifting, and get myself tired. Anybody can design a workout to get you tired, but unfortunately, that's not the goal of what our exercise sessions are. The goal of our exercise sessions as masters athletes is to get fast in a very short amount of time because I've touched on this before. Time is a little bit of an issue for us. So we need to incorporate a lot of, uh, we need to be very economical with our workouts. And so getting as fast as possible in a very short amount of time, the only way to get there is by actually running fast, swimming fast, but cycling fast. It's not by adding tons of volume to what we're doing. So with that being said, um, I, I can I know that today was a little bit more geared towards the sprinter, and um, I, I realize that because that's where my head is at all, all the time. But I eventually, I'll, uh, maybe next week, I'll get into some more endurance-type stuff and Olympic lifting. But again, the bottom line, go ahead and do your Olympic lifts and your, and your power lifts, but it, it's absolutely not necessary for you to to go super heavy all the time. Again, you get faster by going faster. And if your goal is in a in a track is to go eight to nine to ten meters per second, lifting power lifting and uh, and Olympic lifting is not going to make is not going to get you there. So, all that being said, definitely uh, appreciate your feedback on this. I know that this is a touchy subject. I know a lot of folks uh, are very dogmatic with their Olympic lifts and their and their and their um, power lifts. I, I realize that. But the research to me just isn't there to support it. If if you've got some research, I'd love to see it and uh, pass it on to me on the Facebook page or on uh, my email or, you know, write uh, write uh, another review on the podcast or on iTunes. So looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks.